Hello, it's the August DCM podcast. My name is Tom, and this month I'm joined by Lisa Cardell, who is Head of Sponsorship and Partnerships at Picturehouse Cinemas. Hi, Lisa, how are you? I'm really good, Tom Lanay. How are you? I'm well, thanks. <laughs> it's always good to see you. It's nice to be seen, and it's nice <laughs> to hear my you. name in full as well. It's always, it's never Tom, it never it's always gets, Tom Lanay. Yeah. Well, before we get on to our chat with Lisa, we'll bring people up to speed with Barbenheimer and some other things that have been happening in cinemas. So Barbie has now been in cinemas for just over a month, and in that time has delivered a remarkable 7.4 million DCM admissions. I mean, I need a holiday. Yeah, well, <laughs> Greta Gerwig deserves Greta. a holiday. She does, she does. She deserves many holidays. So just for comparison, the last James Bond film, No Time to Die, that finished its run with 7.9 million DCM admissions. So it looks like Barbie is going to be bigger than Bond. We are big advocates at Picturehouse Cinemas that Bond does not save cinema post-pandemic, but Barbie does. So we are hoping that Barbie just edges over that. It's currently number two. um, At at Picturehouse. At Picturehouse, yeah. Number two of biggest box office of all time. Only £500,000 more to go, which sounds like a lot, but we're going to run it and run it. um, And then it will pip... No time to die to the top spot. These are good facts. Thank wow. you. So it's five hundred thousand pounds away from being the biggest film of all time in Picture House's Picture history. House, exactly. And Picture House started when? Oh my gosh, Tom! I mean, 90s. Our f- it was, early it was 90s, the nineties. First yeah. site that ever opened, Clapham Common. So and thirty years, the second yeah. biggest film in thirty years. So yeah, have that for a fact. That is a good fact. I was going to come to Barbie facts, but you just <laughs> dropped one straight That's away. That's all I've got. <laughs> so anyway, the latest film monitor audience data for Barbie yep. suggests that. 33% of the audience are 16, 34 women. So it looks like the film has delivered approximately 42 16, 34 women TVRs. I mean, that is that is a stunning fact. That is a remarkable fact. It's unbelievable. Yep. And uh, Oppenheimer. Well, let's talk about Oppenheimer because they, they, they obviously come together, don't they? They do. The Barbenheimer phenomenon. Yes. it's it's. I think Oppenheimer is almost no less impressive considering it's a three-hour adult drama. Mm. You know, huge numbers. It's been in cinema for just over a month and has delivered three and a half million DCM admissions. Obviously not quite 7.4, but when you think about what the film is... I mean, and yeah, and to have two of those... I mean, we look forward to, on average, we'll have, you know, one big tentpole release at Picture House every couple of months. So the fact that we had those two extraordinary films, both very different, but that had, you know, I would say that Buzz started building around those films, you know, a year out of their release date. So to have both of those films in one weekend was just, you know, I don't know when we'll see that again. It was incredible. No, well, Trolls Band Together and Killers of the Flower Moon on the same day. Well, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you go. That's the next one to watch. Killer, tro- killer trolls. <laughs> killer trolls. Uh, um, but it's, it, is, it is an amazing thing. And it just shows the power of cinema to really grab the entire public's consciousness for, for a period, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not yeah. sure many other mediums are able to do that. Yeah, it was amazing for us to see, you know, we have our Pitch House membership um, and they are our kind of avid, regular cinema goers. But this just kind of connected to... I've recently moved to northwest London and I stepped out of my flat and saw just like three women wandering down the street wearing Barbie tops. Like, it was just a complete phenomenon. And to bring people that, you know, are that kind of light cinema goer back to the theatrical experience was just a real pleasure to see. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I've actually got a question for you. Okay. Have you seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer? I have seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer. Do you have a favourite? Yes. 
What, what are we going with? Barbie. Barbie, same here. Yeah. How do you feel about three hour long films out of interest? Happy with them. Genuinely happy with them, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I've, I've seen enough that I know when to drink liquid beforehand. Right. I not within 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And Dehydrate. Yeah. I was like a prune at the start of Oppenheimer. <laughs> but, um, but I and I knew when I wanted to set, take some water for the first yeah. time. Oh, it's like a sport for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so... I'm a person that gets quite hangry. Mm -hmm. um, and so I find a three hour long film quite confusing. Um, and if Christopher Nolan is listening, I think that if we could just kind of shorten that down. What would be the optimum length? I mean, for me, I'm a 90 minute or less girl. So they could have had Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer just, 1 and Oppenheimer 2. Exactly. I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with it. I don't know when to eat my dinner. I went to a 5.30 screening. 5.30 is too early to eat my food. 9pm, too late. I'm miserable. So I just think that if we could just bear in mind those of the audience that do suffer from hunger. And that's why I didn't go to an evening showing. I went to a one forty showing, which was wow, perfect. You had this had all lunch, planned out. Yeah, went, yeah, yeah. Came out dinner okay well next time i go to see a three-hour film i'll speak to you and about just let strategy. you know it was picture house central screen one of course it was but what screen screen one yeah lovely 70 screen. millimeter so ob obviously <laughs> uh, so but also we digress the film monitor data for oppenheimer really strongly 1634 which you wouldn't have thought for for a three-hour historical epic which i think I didn't is testament that. to the barbenheimer phenomenon has brought in 1634s to oppenheimer yep. and brought in an audience to barbie that maybe wouldn't have uh, you would have thought would see it yeah and oppenheimer's done 15 1634 tvrs wow and still going i mean yeah still going very strong so over the next month, we've got Denzel Washington returning as Robert McCall in The Equalizer 3. I like those films. I'm into those films. Yes. Then we've got Past Lives in cinemas on the 8th of September, which is one of the best reviewed films of the year. It played at Sundance in January. And I think Lisa was there, weren't you? I was there in January, a bit of a perk to the job. I was out in the hills of Utah watching some of the best of American indie films. But we also showed that at Sundance London um, in June at Pitch House Central. And it was actually the winner of our audience award. Um, Celine Song is the director and it's her first film. And for me, have you seen Past Lives? Not yet. I'm very excited too. It is stunning, unbelievable. If you're listening, go and watch it. You will cry. Um, but the fact that that is a kind of debut feature project was just astounding. Um, and yeah, she won our audience award. Um, we gave her a little trophy. She was very happy. We had to pay extra money for her luggage going back because the it's a very city. heavy trevi trophy. It? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And obviously we kind of come out of the blockbuster season in the summer into where we pitch house tends to over index on the kind of titles that are coming out in September, which is, I guess, the pre-award season. And one question about past lives. How long is it? Do you know what? I think I couldn't tell you, but I I know it was long, but I spent the last half hour of it just kind of trying to see through my tears. So I'm OK with the film being longer if I'm crying through it, weirdly. Okay. I don't know what that says about me as a person. but And so from my perspective, 
if I'm dehydrated, if I'm not dehydrated going in, I will be coming out. Right, exactly. I would recommend drinking water one to two hours before watching okay. Past Lives. Okay, this is these are things <laughs> a man of my age needs to know. <laughs> so then on the same weekend as Past Lives, we've got The Nun 2, which is the sequel to one of the biggest horror films of the last decade. A week after that, Kenneth Branagh returns as Hercule Poirot um, in A Haunting in Venice. I don't know why I say that. Stunningly in A Haunting executed. in Venice. Great cast in this one as well. Who is the cast? I'm Michelle sure. Yeoh. Oh, yeah, nice. Tina Fey. Love Tina. Jamie Dornan. Oh. Kelly Riley. I'm in. Good. It, lo- it looks good as well. The Expendables return in Expendables 4. And although it's slightly awkward time title because the 4 is in the place of the A in uh. the title. So it's Expend 4 balls. <laughs> oh, but, I see what they've done there. But that they return for their fourth outing on the 22nd of September. And then a week later, one of the most exciting films for the rest of 2023 is out as Gareth Edwards director of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, one of the best Star Wars films, I think, particularly the recent ones, returns with a brand new original sci-fi called The Creator. Have you seen the trailer for this? I have not seen the trailer for this. This looks stunning. Does it? Okay, interesting. It stars John David Washington as in a post-apocalyptic thriller involving a future impacted by a war between humans and AI. It looks very similar stylistically to Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which I think is very satisfying. Uh, Yeah, very excited for this. It's out on the 28th of September. I um, have never watched a single Star Wars film, so um, yeah, I'll take How's your... How's that happened? I just like to keep my head down when any kind of sci-fi comes out, to so be honest. You're not sci-fi, not your thing I'm, then? No, it's not really. Because I love no. sci-fi. I mean, post-apocalyptic, you lost me there, but okay. you know, it will be great for admissions, I'm sure, but yeah. I will not be one of them. Okay, past lives, <laughs> not the creator. Exactly, yeah. So we've mentioned Barb and Hyman, how it was for Picture House. Do you have any other exciting stats about it that you can share? Yeah, I mean... What was quite interesting is we do a kind of a little rundown every week of our top performing films of all time just to see if there's any shift and rarely there is. Um, But it was very interesting the other day to note that post pandemic has delivered three of our top performing films of all time at Picture House. And I think that that's pretty incredible. Like you said, we've been around for many, many years Um, and to have that content coming through. Um, in what was, you know, arguably the worst period of time for film and cinema and entertainment is really great. So we've got No Time to Die, Barbie. That's number one. That's number one. Barbie's number two. And Top Gun. Top Gun is in there somewhere. Um, But then we've got Oppenheimer, I think around number eight. So, yeah, I think that was great. Also, July, because of that Oppenheimer and Barbie phenomenon, was our busiest weekend ever at Picture House and our biggest month ever as well. So the week commencing 21st of July. That's correct, yes. 7.3 million admissions across the industry. I mean. Which is the biggest week for admissions since October 2012. And so I've gone back as far as I can, which yeah. I think is sort of early 2000s, and I can not find a week bigger than that. So I, I'm going to put it out there, second biggest week of the 21st century. Whoa. Uh, maybe even longer. Tom has just dropped his yeah, mic. Yeah, I, I think, I can't prove that, but it's at least since 2008, 2007. I, I feel, yeah. I mean, it was, for me, you know, I work in this industry because I love the cinema. Um, I love everything that the theatrical experience has to offer, that shared experience um, that I just don't think that you get sat at home. And, you know, I actually watched Barbie in a View cinema, which is my local, and I... Honestly, this is I, I felt close to a little shedding a little tear because it was just amazing to see, you know, queues running down the Westfield staircase, 
<clears throat> the whole audience just it was absolutely full me and my partner couldn't sit together um and then that moment where america ferrera delivers that epic speech on all it is to be a woman one lady in the audience stood on her feet and started cheering and then the whole audience got up and that is just for me that is what the cinema is all about it's you know coming together experiencing something like that as a community and yeah it just adds to the whole experience so it was Re- realizing we're human and we feel things the same yeah. you know and, we, yeah. and, and when something has the ability to touch us all yeah. in that set, in a similar way it's very powerful it what it was extremely powerful and you know i think that everyone at Pitch House, although it was an extremely busy time, we've all kind of come out of it now, um, just feeling even more invigorated that, you know, the best platform for this amazing content is the big screen. And people want that as well. Yeah, I think so. So what films are you expecting to play well at Pitch House over the next few months? Yeah, so it's definitely a bit of a step change from the big kind of blockbusters that we've seen coming through. So September um, is traditionally a really busy month for us. We are looking forward to past lives that we've already discussed. Already yeah, that real tearjerker. Get get hydrated. Passages which is a movie release that we've seen um, some clips of, also played at Sundance London and was excellent. So I think that will play really well to a Pitch House audience. Dumb Money looks really fun. Which is about the GameStop shorting. I don't understand I don't financial understand. markets and things like that, but it looks like the big short. It looks it? like the big short. I think we're going to learn something from uh, it. I like to come yeah. out feeling a little bit more clever than yeah. I went in. So looking forward to that. And then we've got Dune 2 in November 3rd November yeah. 3rd of November thanks and then Killers of a Flower Moon as well the new Scorsese title that looks terrific it looks it? amazing Scorsese and DiCaprio are always a great team and De Niro and De Niro let's yeah. not for- forget De Niro so there's also Picture House Entertainment's distribution arm as well which is I think is having a great year. Been picking up great films. The best film I've seen this year is a Pitch House film. Oh, what was it? The Eight Mountains. Oh my gosh. Long film. But yes. Excellent film. And Tears. Yeah. Oh, another. If you haven't seen The Eight Mountains, it is the most beautiful film I've seen this year. I've watched it three times Have on you? my own dime because I just absolutely love that film. One of my favourite films of all time. It was amazing. It's the best thing I've seen this year, so it oh, may well end up I will being... take that back to the pick and yeah, team, I, I genuinely be to hear. was in bits at the end of it. Yeah, it's it's a stunning film. Um, but yeah, we've... The pick and team have been extremely busy is that what you call them the pick ent team which is pitch house entertainment pitch house entertainment our distribution arm they picked up the palm door winning film didn't they they did anatomy of a fall which is going to be out on the 10th of november um that was i always find it really interesting talking to the distribution team um about how they pick up these films and it seems to be sometimes a little bit of a lottery there's a bit of luck involved but obviously our Um, acquisition team have got excellent taste because they watched Anatomy of a Fall at Cannes um, at a special screening and just were blown away by it picked it up and then it went on to win the Palm Door Award and the Palm Dog Award. Yes, because it's got a dog in it. Two accolades. It does have a dog in it and it is now an award-winning dog. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about that. I mean, sometimes they'll buy films just off script. Other times they will watch, you know, just a short 
10 minute piece of an unfinished project um this one they saw in its entirety and yeah we're i i haven't seen it yet but it looks amazing it's um, a crime drama it's kind of, courtroom it's like thriller a true thing crime isn't it drama, yes. yeah um starring alexandra Uller. yeah i think that's how you say it don't let's know. go with that yeah um but yeah it looks very tense um very art house and yeah i think that that's a title that's going to perform super well for us yeah i can't wait to see that and i do think it's always worth taking a punt on a picture house film because your acquisitions team know what they're doing yeah they, they absolutely do i think they're some of the best in the business but you know it's for us everything that we do at picture house is about putting film first and filmmakers first so for our distribution team it's sometimes kind of identifying or taking a bit of a risk on a young or first-time director and you know that film is often the launch pad for a bigger career I mean we've supported on the pitch house entertainment side of things we've supported Ben Wheatley um, who is an amazing independent film director and he's now of course gone on to become the director of the Meg too so a bit of a step change but you know it's always whether we're talking about distribution or exhibition or initiatives like Sundance it's about putting the film and the filmmaker at the heart of everything that we do and I think that's where you know, we find our biggest success because it's our passion. So let's move on to your role as head of sponsorships and partnerships. What does that involve? It's a busy role. Um, It involves, I guess, three key things. So the first is commercial sponsorships, of which I work very closely with DCM and the studios team to deliver. Then I work across more kind of B2B relationships. So businesses that are looking at rewarding their, you know, we've all got those intranet portals with specific rewards that or discounts that you can access via your company. So we do a lot of work with businesses like that to deliver perks and discounts to employees. And then I guess the third part of that is around our membership. So making the Pitch House membership, the best membership in the UK. We want it to be viewed as more of a lifestyle membership. So if you sign up to become a Pitch House member, you're also going to unlock amazing offers, um, discounts, freebies at our national partners. So that could be the Japan Centre. Good shop. It's a great shop. Amazing sushi. Yeah. Um, So we work with the Japan Centre. We work with Patch Plants. So just, you know, a whole load of partners outside of the film and entertainment industry that we recognise as a brilliant business that our members are going to want to benefit from. And it's part of your role to source those partners. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you get to this point, Lisa? How did I ask myself that question? So my first job in media was actually at DCM. Um, a long while ago. It was a, it was longer than and I can remember. And I was still remember. here. <laughs> you were still here, still podcasting. So I, yeah, started off as an agency sales assistant back in the day before we were really digital in digital cinema media. So we were sending out 35 mil reels for advertisers. Um, and yeah, then we slowly shifted to digital. And that was a really kind of interesting project to be part of. And then I moved into the what is now known as the studios team. So, yeah, I spent a good seven years at DCM honing my craft. (laughs) Then I did a small stint at Global Radio in their creative solutions team and then moved over to Pitch House, where I've been now for about seven years. Wow. Pitch House have had a great year of brand partnerships. Can you talk me through some of the highlights? Oh, yeah, it has been 
an absolutely amazing year for sponsorships in particular at Picture House. I think we've had seven in total so wow. far. Is that is that a lot for a year? It's a lot for a year, yeah. I think that it's probably already our strongest year commercially for sponsorship and we're only in August. So it's really great to see brands coming back and putting their trust in us to kind of deliver on their objectives, but then also just show their confidence in cinema as the best place to be advertising. So we've had Kia, um, who are in their second year of a big headline partnership with us. Um, they're sponsoring Goldspot across a whole independent network, but have then become the Picture House membership partner. They sponsor our podcast, The Love of Cinema, available wherever you get your podcasts. Also a good podcast. <laughs> We've had Little Moons sponsoring our outdoor cinema. We've had Lego come in, um, sponsoring our kids' clubs. They've been delivering awesome Lego sets and encouraging kids to build their own film sets out of Lego. It's just been, you know, from kids' sponsorships right through to that kind of big Kia headline partnership. It's been an incredible year for us. And Samsung? with the under 25s partnership as well yeah so we launched a new kind of membership initiative just before the pandemic actually which is encouraging a younger audience to come into picture house i think that traditionally we have a perception of being you know a little more expensive and our multiplex friends that maybe we aren't showing the more kind of blockbuster content that would appeal to a youth audience but we do. Um, so we developed a U25 membership, which allows anyone under the age of 25 to come to the cinema for a very incentivized rate, um, Monday to Friday. And I think it's really important for us to be engaging with this youth audience now and, you know, introducing them to everything that we do. We don't just play French art house films. We also play Barbie and Oppenheimer <laughs> and Oppenheimer and Batman and, and Bond Turtles, I saw and Turtles, Turtles this week. Super Mario all of that stuff you know we've got a real breadth of programming so it was really great to have Samsung come on and partner with that membership specifically and yeah I just think it was a marriage of two brands that were trying to reach that youth audience um, and it yeah a great partnership so what makes a good brand partner it's a good question Tom Lenay thank goodness for that <laughs> I think that what sets us apart in our sponsorships is that we have two objectives. The first is to, you know, solve a business problem for a brand that is looking for a cinema sponsorship. Um, but secondly, and equally as important, is understanding what that partnership means to the cinema audience. You know, we definitely move away from, um, you know, badging sponsorships. Um, they're very old hat now anyway, but our membership especially are extremely savvy and at times vocal and they let us know what they think and when we whenever we have tested out the water with you know more simple badging sponsorships it just doesn't resonate with them so we always think about what does this brand coming on board into our environment offer back to our audience so it could be a number of things, but they offer some kind of value. And that could be value through experiences or value through free things. So an example would be Kia, who have come on board sponsoring our membership um, and offered every single member an additional ticket to their annual membership. So that's great. There's a tangible reason and something great that I am getting because of that Kia sponsorship. Little Moons 
um, the delicious Mochi Company who are sponsoring Outdoor, offering free Mochi balls with every ticket sold when you go along to pop up. Or, you know, we work a lot with alcohol partners too. So you go and scan your membership card at the till and you're told that you can get a free drink on behalf of you know whoever that partner is so it just we need to always look at why is there a tangible reason that that brand is there in that kind of sacred environment um, and making sure that it's all kind of handled with care so what are the opportunities on the horizons for brands Thank you for asking that question. There's many opportunities for brands um, coming up. I mean, we're, I can't believe that we're coming to the end of August. It's mad. So, yeah, I think that something around the award season is a really interesting thing for brands to look at. We've got... So when does award season kick off for you? So for us, it would be, it would be September is what we call the pre-awards mm-hmm. corridor. Um, but then January, February is where things really start to ramp up. And I think a brand kind of coming in, packaging up that amazing content that Picture House really kind of delivers way more than their market share on is something really interesting to look at. We obviously have our Christmas season. So we as a brand don't just rely on current release programming because you know then we're at the mercy of film distributors and the content that's coming through we always bolster our year with strands or seasons that maybe um, support a current release title so at the moment we are running a rep season rep is essentially just older films that have already been released and we are running one called Debutante. So we've had, you know, this influx of female film directors um, in the current release film schedule. So we've released old films that were made by female debut filmmakers. So over the Christmas period, we create or curate a season of Christmas films. So things from Elf to Die Hard which is a Christmas film there's something for everyone and that usually runs from the beginning of December right through to the big kind of Christmas title which I think is going to be Wonka this year so yeah coming on board sponsoring that Christmas package um, thinking about what you can bring to the audience what does it mean to be around this Christmas content yeah something like that would be awesome too and a crazy fact it's the 20th anniversary of Elf this year. Oh, that makes me feel very old. I know. Wow. So. I, you've aged me during the recording of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned award season. Award season in January is already shaping up to be very exciting. We've got the new Yorgos Lanthimos film, Poor Things. Yep. We've got The Colour Purple, the big musical, which looks great. And I think it's going to be a very exciting time for cinema, as it always is. What are you most looking forward to in January, Tom? In January, Poor Things. Okay. Uh, yeah. I like Yorgos Lanthimos films and yeah. this one looks bizarre and f- disturbing and funny and it, it looks like a trip. Okay, I'm here for it. We like to see it. We've mentioned it, Sundance London. Obviously, it's not. It's July now, isn't it? Date TBC for next year. We're playing around with it, but it will be in the summer of next year, probably early summer, actually. So start of June. Oh, so earlier next year. Yeah, a little bit earlier this year. Um, next year, sorry. And Sundance London is, you know, the joy of everything that I love about my job. It, I think, really showcases everything that Picture House believes in and stands for, which is independent film, independent filmmakers. Um, and yeah, for a long weekend, 
over the summer at Pitch House Central, we bring these amazing films as either UK premieres or European premieres for audiences to enjoy and watch before their general release. We bring the directors across. The last time I saw you, you were actually hobnobbing in the talent green room at Sundance London. Chatting to Amelia Jones's mum. Just chatting. <laughs> Not Amelia Jones, but her mum. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you've been there. You've experienced it. It's packed cinemas, you know, amazing content. And it's a, a really good opportunity for brands to get involved at any level. You know, headline partnerships right down to drink sponsors um, or, you know, documentary partners. There's so many different routes that a brand can take um, depending on their objectives. And it's worth highlighting that these are some of the best films of the year. So yeah. you already mentioned Past Lives had its UK premiere, which is going to be a major awards contender come uh, yeah, January or February. I think so. Two years ago, Coda had its UK premiere. I was, Oscar winner. Yeah, I was there. Won Best Picture at the Oscars there six, seven months yeah. later yeah. or eight months later. So uh, it's a really exciting opportunity for a brand, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So what films are you looking forward to, Lisa? Films that I'm looking forward to... Honestly, I would say it's Killers of the Flower Moon for me. Um, I love everything that Scorsese does. You know, I've seen some clips and it just looks beautiful and amazing. And that's one that will definitely be on my list to watch. That's a good one. I think that's the film I'm most looking forward to in H2. What about Wonka? How do you feel? So, Wonka. Mm. Let's chat Wonka. It's directed by Paul King. It is. And Paul King directed Paddington 1 and 2. So... In my eyes, he can do nothing wrong. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, if someone said to me, do you want to see the next film from the filmmaker behind Paddington 1 and 2? I would be like, of course I do. And you throw in National Treasure. Olivia, Olivia Coleman, Coleman, Rowan Atkinson. I mean, yeah, I think that that is going to be one of the be- best Christmas titles that we've had in a few years. And it's written by Paul King and Simon Farnaby, who wrote Paddington 1 and 2. And those films are so funny and sweet and just have the, the perfect balance of whimsy yeah. and humor and pathos and I, I, it appeals to everyone I again I, it's not a film I would have when it comes on the schedule you're like okay I'm I'm not that Let's excited see. for that yeah. but then when you see who's making it and who's in it I'll be there opening week Timothy Chalamet in a musical is something that I'm not going to miss so yeah very much looking forward to that too and that is the 16th of December, December. Yes. Or is it 15th of December? It's the 15th of December, but I might go on the 16th, Saturday afternoon, <laughs> yeah. between lunch and hydrate dinner. Hydrate on yeah, the Friday. Yeah, exactly. Dehydrate. <laughs> Dehydrate on the Friday. So thanks for joining me, Lisa. It's been a pleasure, Tom. It's good Lene. to catch up. And it's great to hear how exciting Barbie's been and Oppenheimer have been for Picture House. I'll be back next month where I think we'll be talking about DCM Awards because it's DCM Awards next month. Ooh, big month. So join me then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 